Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Tuesday, April 25th in Hong Kong, Monday, April 24th in New York. And coming up today, First Republic Bank is pursuing strategic options as it reports a slump in first quarter deposits. Credit Suisse saw $69 billion of outflows last quarter as it neared a collapse. And China's Politburo is likely to shift its focus from stimulus to reforms. China distances itself from its French ambassador and supports former Soviet Soviet bloc country sovereignty. Australia Defense Ministry says the military must make adjustments to be fit for purpose. McCarthy looks to be going ahead with debt vote. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. First Republic saying it's pursuing strategic options now and seeking to shrink its balance sheet. That's after it reported deposits that fell to $104.5 billion in the first quarter. Deposits are down 41% from the end of last year. The California lender was engulfed in the regional banking turmoil that led to the collapse of three of its peers. First Republic slump also comes despite the largest U.S. lenders injecting some $30 billion of their own cash into the bank to try to help shore up the finances. In response to the unprecedented outflows of deposits, the company says now that it plans to cut its workforce as much as 25%. We heard earlier from Bloomberg's Herman Chan. They talked about some expense reductions with some employee um, cuts. Um, that helps on the margin, but really instilling confidence is, is more focused on stabilizing the balance sheet and getting those deposits back that left uh, in the first quarter. And the bank shares are down a little more than 21% now in late trading. Doug? Well, clients at Credit Suisse pulled $69 billion from the bank during the first quarter as the bank neared collapse. And now UBS will have big challenges ahead following that emergency takeover of its biggest rival. We have more from Bloomberg's Manus Cranny. Over the past six months, 170 billion Swiss francs of assets that yield for the bank have exited. The question now is, what can UBS do to stop that rot when the deal closes? What can they offer clients? How can they make them stay? How can they make the rainmakers within the institution of Credit Suisse remain? The message was clear. We will make more substantial losses in wealth management from Credit Suisse. We had to tap the Swiss National Bank for 100 billion and more of liquidity. This is far from done. The challenges are significant for Colin Kelleher, Iqbal Khan, and Sergio Motti, the CEO of UBS, on getting this flow show to stay and generate income. 
In Zurich, I'm Manus Cranny. All right, let's take a closer look here at Tesla because it's increasing its forecast for CapEx again and looks to be uh, targeting $9 billion in 2023, according to a regulatory filing. As of January, Tesla provided a forecast range that was a billion less at both the low and the high end. Tesla's CapEx boost comes while executives have been emphasizing cost-cutting efforts. Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow says it's being done with an emphasis on sustaining growth. They're cutting prices. Prices on EVs here in North America. They did recently just re-raise prices on Model S and Model X, and internally a view on cutting costs is a big focus. But reminder of Elon Musk's commitment to sustaining growth at the expense of margin and profit. That's something that he's been relatively clear on. And while the sell side at least are a little concerned about the impact of price cuts to products on that bottom line, at least Tesla is consistent on the view of investing through periods like this to maintain that growth rate. Tesla's shares are down 1.5% in the regular session, drifting just a little bit lower here in after hours. Not much, about an extra four-tenths of 1%. Overall, though, the stock has risen some 34% this year. A second round of job cuts underway at Walt Disney. We have more from Bloomberg's Ann Cates. Layoffs will take place in all Disney divisions, from corporate headquarters to ESPN, although hourly workers at its theme parks will not be affected. It's part of Disney's push to eliminate 7,000 positions in an effort to save $5.5 billion a year in costs. The entertainment giant is also racing to curb losses at its Disney Plus streaming service, as Wall Street shifts its focus from subscriber growth to the expense of operating online video platforms. In Washington, Ann Cates, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. China's top leaders may convene a meeting of the party's Politburo this week to tweak economic policy. We get the story from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong. Officials are looking to boost business confidence, increase jobs and strengthen the property market without adding new stimulus. Economists say they are closely watching monetary and fiscal support now that growth is rebounding. Several banks have raised their China growth forecast to 6% or higher for 2023. That's well above Beijing's target of around 5%. And that level of growth would reduce the need for more stimulus. Some economists say it could be too soon, though, as opposed COVID recovery has been fairly uneven, but the PBOC has already signaled it will begin dialing back pandemic stimulus, and the thinking is officials may pull back further. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Doug Krisner and Rashad Salamat. And Doug, nothing's really rattling the cage right now in, in markets. Um, it, it's still the banking turmoil that didn't quite become a, a crisis. And yet the stocks haven't recovered. The regional banking stocks haven't recovered. And I don't think the earnings from First Republic today changed that uh, at all. Well, you're right about that. And then there is the Fed story on top of that. Right now, it's kind of interesting to see the divergence. On one hand, we have the swaps market continuing to see rates peaking in the coming weeks and then a series of cuts later in the year. So that seems to be the view of money market traders, right? And then you look at the other story, data from the CFTC showing that net short positions on the 10-year uh, rose to the highest level on record this month. So the hedge fund community seems to be betting that the Fed will continue to raise rates. And look at today's data from the Dallas Fed. Manufacturing weak, but it's clear that inflationary pressures remain very elevated. So it's this tension in markets right now, Brian. 
Yeah, but the hedge fund position also indicates that they're not expecting recession. And uh, I think that story is still to be written. That's another way of looking at it. But maybe it's a period of stagflation. That's what Bloomberg Economics is saying, right? You get slow growth, but yet inflation remains persistent. Going back to that Dallas Fed stuff, the wages and benefits component of the manufacturing report now at the highest level since August. 99% of the firms surveyed by the Dallas Fed reported higher or similar similar wages and benefit cost in the month. So this is uh, it remains sticky. Let me just say that. I think for most of the people we talked to, um, they acknowledge that this is one of the most difficult times to really understand and or predict whether we're heading toward recession or whether or not you escape this with a soft landing. It makes it great for us to put these questions to our guests. And we'll have Carol Pepper coming up shortly, founder and CEO of Pepper International. But now it's time for Global News. China has sought to distance itself from the firestorm caused by its ambassador to France and those comments from yesterday. Ed Baxter with Global News from the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, exactly right, Brian. China says the comments by Ambassador Liu Sheyu that former Soviet bloc states are not sovereign nations was an expression of his personal point of view. At a Beijing press briefing, spokeswoman Mao Ning threw a translator. China respects the status of the former Soviet republics as sovereign countries after the Soviet Union's dissolution. Now Mao saying the media has blown it out of proportion and former ambassador to China Paul Volcker on Bloomberg Sound On earlier said they don't like to contradict themselves. But the fact that they took down a transcript of loose comment shows they don't approve. If you start playing through the implications, like you're, you're now saying that Kazakhstan, a neighbor of China and a vast one in which China has huge interests, that that should actually be part of Russia. I don't think the Chinese mean that. Uh, meanwhile, France President Emmanuel Macron also distancing himself, saying it's not a diplomat's place to use this sort of language. Major Australian Defense Ministry report has recommended sweeping changes to the country's defense forces as it readjusts to a changing Indo-Pacific region. The Defense Strategic Review says Australia's military is not fit for purpose. Defense Minister Richard Marle says this will provide for an Australian defense force befitting a much more confident and self-reliant nation. Meanwhile, U.S. President Joe Biden will use this week's state visit by South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol to underscore support there, including being ready to step up its efforts to deter a North Korean attack on the South. U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy looks to be going ahead with a vote without the possibility of amendments for his debt ceiling bill, even though Bloomberg reporting says he may come up short on votes from the ultra-conservative part of his, of his party. Now, Bloomberg's Wendy Benjaminson on Bloomberg's balance of power says it is hard to figure out what he is really thinking. And he thinks they're just going to go along with the plan? I guess that's what he thinks. But if he were a speaker who had a lot of power behind him, who had a lot of support behind him, who wasn't elected on the 15th ballot, mm -hmm. that could be a good play. But it's clear his caucus doesn't believe him. It is dead in the Senate anyway, and the White House says it will only talk about the debt ceiling as a separate piece of legislation. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has met with Japan's Prime Minister Fumio Kishida today in 
Tokyo. We see a lot of opportunities to build on our business uh, and economic ties. Uh, DeSantis says, uh, good for Japan. What is good for Japan is good for America. Cable TV has jettisoned two of their more inflammatory and controversial hosts. Fox News announcing that Tucker Carlson's last show was last Friday. Bloomberg's Felix Gillette says Dominion settlement was a, a takeoff point for this and that Rupert Murdoch treats people like Carlson as replaceable. Murdoch has always felt confident that he can replace the talent, even if it's someone like Tucker Carlson, who's currently the top rated primetime host for Fox News. You think back of when Fox News got rid of Glenn Beck, Greta Van Susteren, Megyn Kelly. They're always this question, oh, how are they going to recover? And yet whoever they plug into those time slots always seem to do and quite Carlson well. was due to testify at the trial, but the emails that would have been presented have shown Fox's knowingly reported lying on the other side of the spectrum almost at the same time cnn don lemon boom don lemon has been you know going from one controversy to the next for the last couple months they brought him back after he made these comments about nikki haley that upset people um you know the problem with don lemon is not only is he generating negative headlines for cnn but also the ratings have been lousy well i will do it carlson's departure from fox estimated will cost 690 million dollars in worth shares falling as much as 5.4 percent today. Global News powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter and this is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline, it's teamwork, and it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Rashad Salama, and we have Ed Baxter on news, as we just heard there, and also Doug Krisner looking at markets, and our guest, a live guest, Carol Pepper, founder and CEO of Pepper International. Carol, there was a lot of anticipation about First Republic's earnings, so let's take a moment and just have a quick look. Uh, I mentioned that this is sort of the banking turmoil that didn't really develop into a crisis. Lots of reasons for that, but one thing appears clear that it's, it's going to be very very hard for the regional banks to earn their way out of the position that they find themselves in. Can you see the regional banks coming back from this? Well, I mean, I think there'll always be a place for regional banks, uh, but I agree with you. The headwinds are definitely there. Uh, I don't I think it's going to take a long time. I mean, uh, there has to be some change hopefully coming in terms of how they measure uh, the belt and suspenders for the regional banks. And I think they will do that. And I think that yeah, just, I mean, if, if, if nothing else, they just need a lot of time. Right. Because all those yeah. unrealized losses, they they don't want to have them realized. And so you've got to you've got to wait till till maturity. So that could be years and years and years down the road. 
No, I don't think they're going to have to wait to maturity. But I do think if we get some um, rolling back of those regulatory cuts, in other words, put the regulations back in place, that will that will increase um, security for the banks and people's uh, ability to be confident. And I think the second thing will be if rates start to go back down again and give them a little bit of a breather so the losses aren't so large. So those are the mm-hmm. two things that we have to look for. Um, Carol, though, I mean, the thing is, they're going to be very judicious. In fact, that is the word that was used by the Huntington Bank shares CFO to uh, Bloomberg the other day when it comes to lending. Uh, judicious means they're going to have to raise their standards, which is going to be probably the case with most of these regional banks, which then, of course, means that uh, we have a problem with, uh, with uh, uh, companies and SMEs in particular uh, getting money. And that is another form of perhaps tightening. Correct. I think, well, remember to First Republic also, most of their loans were mortgages to ultra high net worth individuals. This was not a credit issue on them at all. They were doing 10 year no interest loans. So they got stuck with this huge, you know, bullet at the end, which, of course, flaps around quite a bit in terms of value. When the rates went up, it went down significantly. So it wasn't really a credit issue. It was it was how they structured these bonds, which seemed frankly, a little bit surprising that they couldn't have anticipated that some point in 10 years, the rates would have gotten up. So uh, in this case, for First Republic, their credit was stellar. This was not a problem for them. It was this interest-only lending thing for 10 years that they've got to stop doing. In the broader markets, we haven't had a lot of movement of late, although we have had uh, in individual uh, companies, but not so much in the broader picture. Uh, Are you waiting on a catalyst? Is there a catalyst coming for more direction in markets? And what might it be? I think even this week will be interesting for the tech names. You know, I'm a big tech bull, so I'm anticipating Amazon will give us a good story. And, um, uh, you know, again, once we get a clear picture of when these rate hikes are going to stop, you're going to see the rest of the market start to run again, because generally the economy is doing fine. This was a Fed-induced slowdown. This was not because the fundamentals of the companies were bad and they were slowing down organically. But it, but because interest rate and cost, borrowing costs have gone up, it has given all of the companies also, frankly, an excuse to lay off a lot of employees. So guess what happens? They do the layoffs. Those costs aren't coming back. And now if the borrowing costs go down, suddenly they're in a much better position. They have more cash and they can start moving forward. So I think that the catalyst will be, you know, when we see the, the, the hike, I, I mean, I just don't think they can keep hiking for too much longer because the big ticking time bomb is the real estate loans, honestly. I mean, the real estate developers are all hanging on here, but at a certain point, they're going to run out. And you're going to see a lot more bank problems if you don't lower those rates. Absolutely. So in that environment, who does well? You're a fan of tech. You're also a fan of Medicare. Mm-hmm. Medical, yes. Drug companies, for example, there's some really exciting blockbuster type of drugs that are coming along. Uh, the weight loss drugs, uh, Eli Lilly, for example, Wegovy, the minute that that gets um, approved to use for weight loss, that thing is going to be, uh, excuse me, Monjarno for Eli Lilly and then Wegovy for Novo Nordisk. They're actually just announced today that they're going to do a head-to-head competition and study which one is going to be better. Um, but the general thought is probably Munjaro is going to win, and that's a multi-billion-dollar opportunity. There are also wonderful new cancer drugs coming along. There's genetic medicine happening. So I, I do think there are certain categories like technology and drug development that, that will go do well regardless of where the interest rates are because these are things people have to use. 
it is a difficult environment where you have basically half the people think we are heading toward recession and that changes a lot of calculations for sure i mean it would mean that you know the 25 percent drawdown last year uh, isn't enough probably if you actually hit a full-blown recession right so it doesn't sound like you're you're too expecting of that but can you uh, outline or you know give us your thoughts on where we're heading in say the middle term here on the economy well, when you say middle term, I would say the rest of the, let's just look at where, you know, let's say we're beginning the, the next quarter here. If we look at by the summer, if we look at by this summer, let's just, if the Fed stops raising, which I believe they will at some point, June or July, July of the outside, outside, um, because things are slowing down on their own from what they've already done. And it also always happens this way, that it takes a few months for the raises to actually start to slow the economy. But let's say it starts to, to go through. Um, then I think, um, you know, the, the, we'll be sort of sideways through the summer and then maybe take off again in the fall. Okay, that's one possible scenario. I personally don't see the recession. I don't see enough signs to convince me that a major recession is happening. However, if you're afraid of that, my advice would be throw your money into the money market funds and earn 4.5% right now and just stay out. As long as you're that frightened, just stay in the money market funds and wait to see what the Fed does. You don't have to, you know, the day after the Fed moves, there's still plenty of time for the average investor to get into the market. Just sit in those nice, you know, treasury-backed money market funds and earn your 4.5% right now. And it will only go up if you're right. You'll earn 5 or 6%. Then you can wait to when you feel that the, you know, pain is over and then look for, you know, some period around the month or two when the term is coming and then go back in. So for those... Uh, listeners who are very frightened. The money markets, are, there's no shame in the money market. Sit over there and wait. For those who think, eh, I really want to get in now, I'm afraid it's going to go higher, then look at big tech yeah. names, look at big, you know, blue chip names. Those always do well regardless. So if you want to be a little ahead of the curve and you want to take the risk, go into okay. blue chips. If you don't, don't. All right, Carol, thanks very much for joining us. Carol Pepper, founder and CEO of Pepper International. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa. Play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.